The Michigan Man Podcast, Episode 92. This is the Michigan Man Podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Coming up today, our first Sugar Bowl preview show. Our guest is going to be Bill Roth, the outstanding play-by-play voice of the Virginia Tech Hokies. Bill has been calling all of the Hokie play-by-play action for the past 24 years, so that is right around the corner on our visitor segment. Next week on December 28th, we will have part two of our Sugar Bowl previews, and we'll be joined by Frank Beckman, the longtime voice of the Wolverines from WJR and the Michigan Football Network. So don't miss that. At the end of the show today on Wolverine Quick Hits, as we always do, we will have the latest news for you on men and women's basketball. No hockey to report this week. The Wolverines in the midst of a 19-day break. They will be back in action on December 29th down at the Joe Louis Arena as the Great Lakes Invitational gets underway. Before we get to Bill Roth on our visitor segment, just a few interesting facts about our Sugar Bowl opponent, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Vatek is coached by Frank Beamer, who has been the head coach at his alma mater since 1987. Under his direction, the team has four ACC titles, six BCS appearances, and a trip to a national championship game that was back, I believe, in 2000 when Michael Vick was quarterback. Virginia Tech was founded in 1872. Its football team began play in 1892. Since the beginning of the 1995 season, Virginia Tech has more wins than any other FBS team and is a consistent finisher in the top 20. And its all-time record is strong with 679 wins for a winning percentage of more than 60%. Virginia Tech has participated in 19 consecutive bowl appearances. And the Hokies play at Lane Stadium, which has a reputation for being the loudest in college football selling out 66,233 seats every home game, and they also have a great marching band, a great tradition. The Hokies enter the Sugar Bowl matchup against Michigan with an 11-2 record. They were the ACC Coastal Division champions and lost to Clemson 38-10 in the ACC championship game. So for an up-close and personal look at the Hokies, our guest today is Vatek's outstanding play-by-play voice, Bill Roth. That's next, right here on the Michigan Man Podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine.
From the blue waters of the Chesapeake Bay to the hills of Tennessee, the Virginia Tech Hokies are on the air. Our guest today is the gentleman that opens each Virginia Tech sports radio broadcast with that familiar refrain. In his 24th season as the play-by-play announcer of Virginia Tech football and basketball, the voice of the Hokies, Bill Roth, joins us on our first Sugar Bowl preview show today. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. It's nice to be with you today. Well, Bill, uh, you know, many in the media were surprised that uh, Virginia Tech and Michigan were chosen to play in the Sugar Bowl ahead of the likes of Boise State, Kansas State, and Baylor. A lot of folks saw them as more deserving. But from a BCS uh, selection perspective in the real world, this matchup with Virginia Tech and Michigan was tough to pass up, wouldn't you say? Well, we were surprised. I can say that much, and I was surprised. But going back and looking at the New Orleans paper from this past Sunday and, and reading Paul Houlihan's quotes, evidently Baylor and Boise were never even under consideration. So it looked as if certainly Michigan was there the whole time based on his comments. As for the Hokies, it really took a perfect storm. The right dominoes had to fall. Houston had to lose, and TCU couldn't get into the top 16. So I think once we saw the BCS rankings, we had a hunch that there was a chance. But it is a great opportunity. Here you've got the winningest program in the history of the sport in Michigan against a team that's won more games than anybody else in the country since 1995. So it's two teams that are used to winning and fan bases that expect wins and championships. So I think it will be a great matchup. Well, Bill, with the exception of uh, the two one-sided losses to uh, to Clemson, the Hokies have been a really a very consistent team this year, but they've only beaten two ranked opponents. You see critics say that off and on, and they're, they're basically saying the same about Michigan. Uh, and that leads some BCS critics to question the Hokies and the Wolverines' strength of schedule. Do you think those kind of criticisms are valid heading into this game? The team selection was based solely on, say, how the NCAA tournament committee picks teams. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But for the last hundred years, that's not how bowls got picked. So, yeah. uh, you know, we've been on the other side of it, too. You know, in 2000, Virginia Tech finished 11-1, and ranked fifth in the BCS, and had Michael Vick at quarterback, and less right. than a year removed from playing for the national championship, and got passed over, uh, got bypassed by uh, Oregon State and Notre Dame for the Fiesta Bowl. And so Virginia Tech constituents know the other side of it. But back in 2000, the thought was Notre Dame and Oregon State were bigger names. And that's the way it works. And that's the way it has worked. And and that's the way bowl selections have always been. And teams that pack their stadiums with iconic coaches that have powerhouse programs that win 10 games every year play in big bowl games, and that's the way it's always been, whether it's Tom Osborne or Joe Paterno or Frank Beamer. That's the way it's always been with bowl games. So I don't think anyone needs to apologize. I think that's probably the way it's always been. No, I agree with you, and I think until uh, we get to uh, maybe a more perfect world, if you're going to ever uh, get to a playoff, uh, then this type of criticism will probably go away, but that's nowhere in the near future. Yeah, no, if we went totally by strength of schedule, if you looked at it, there'd be about six SEC teams in the BCS, correct? True, very true. <laughs> that's, the way it would have, that's the way it would have worked out this year. But, you know, I'm really looking forward to it because I think you've got uh, two, two programs that really are similar to, in a lot of ways. I think both take football really, really seriously. The constituents and the fan bases really value football. There's a tremendous amount of respect for the sport at both schools. I like it when we play teams like that, from my perspective. I, I like it when Virginia Tech plays a fan base that appreciates 
great players, great traditions, great marching bands, the whole works, the the stuff that makes college football so special. And, and I think we've got that in this game. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, Bill, uh, Vatek has played four games against uh, current Big Ten members in their history. They posted a very impressive 3-1 and one overall record. Two of those wins coming over Nebraska, of course, before they were in the Big Ten. But this, as we all know, is going to be the first time that the Hokies and the Wolverines have met. Has this matchup seemed to generate a lot of excitement with the Hokies fan base? Oh, absolutely. I think that when you talk about the great programs in the history of our sport, you uh, you say Michigan in the first breath. So I think people know that. I think everyone knows how exciting Robinson is as a quarterback. And, you know, people here followed Michigan. Uh, I think that everyone here, going back to when Coach Rodriguez left West Virginia, I think there was a lot of interest in this part of the country, in the mid-Atlantic region, on, on how that would work. Well, we know now how it did or, I guess, it did not work. Right. But I think a lot of folks have really followed Michigan and, you know, you hum the Michigan fight song anywhere in the country, people know what it is. So I, I think that our fans are very excited about seeing how the Hokies play against the Wolverines in this game. And I think uh, from a Michigan perspective, we're all very excited, too. As Michigan fans, uh, I know we, we know of the Hokies as college football fans, but we don't know a lot about this year's team. So if we could, let's start with the offense and get your thoughts on some of the the key players that we're going to see in the Sugar Bowl the first of those is a guy I have seen enough of to say he's very impressive, and that's running back David Wilson, 266 carries for 1,627 yards in 13 games, 9 TDs. He is a big-time back. He really is, and he's a junior who has made his decision, although he officially hasn't announced yet uh, whether he's going pro or coming back. But Wilson was thrust into the spotlight this year. It's interesting, Mike. Virginia Tech had both of its tailbacks declare early last year. Darren Evans and Ryan Williams both left Virginia Tech early for the NFL uh, following last season. And, and that's hard on a program when you lose two guys at the same position, especially tailback early. But Wilson, who's he's from Danville, Virginia, which is southeast of Blacksburg. It's uh, near the Virginia-North Carolina line. When he signed with Virginia Tech, he was a very highly recruited player. And we were really blessed three great tailbacks on last year's team. And Wilson this year has become a tremendous every down back. His ability to break tackles is what really surprised some people because he's always been a great athlete with speed, but his power this year has been really remarkable. You know, he won the Penn Relays triple jump to become a track All-American this past year, and he was a second-team football All-American. So he's an All-American in two sports, track and football, this year. So that's really unique and we haven't had much like him here over the years. Well, the other kid on the offensive side of the ball that I've, that I've seen this year and watched him progress is uh, quarterback Logan Thomas, who's a sophomore. Very impressive to me that he has 215 completions and 366 attempts. A very impressive 59.2% completion percentage, 19 TD passes, only nine picks, which is, I think, what you have to like best. Uh, your thoughts on his play this season? He's really surpassed everyone's expectations, probably other than his own. He's replacing a guy that went to the NFL, too. Tyrod Taylor was the player of the year in the ACC last year, won more games as the starting quarterback at Virginia Tech than anyone in school history. And Thomas came in expecting to, to win big, and he did. He led Virginia Tech to 11 wins. He was the second-team quarterback in the league. I think as the season went along, he got better, and that's probably not surprising. He runs the ball really well. For a big 6'6 guy who's 255, he is a really effective runner. And if you look at highlights of Virginia Tech this year, 
Uh, it's really remarkable how well he's run the football. They run the option with, with him, uh, even though he's 6'6", 254, and he's been really effective with that. But watching him this year, he does something that as, I think as a defensive coordinator would drive you nuts. It seems like at least in the games that I've seen him play, he has a real knack for picking up that first down on third and short, you know, the medium range downs by getting out of the pocket and getting what they need. Yeah, you know, people before the season started, who, who does he remind you of and who the tech, what do tech coaches use him as? He, he's really very Tebow-esque mm-hmm. in that uh, he's a big, powerful, running quarterback. And there was a play at George Tech this year on fourth and one from the 12-yard line. He snuck up the middle for 12 yards and a <laughs> touchdown. And the play was designed as a sneak. <laughs> he was supposed to get six inches and go down, and they never got him down. And he carried like three guys 12 yards. He's done a lot of that this year. He's really good with that read option and the side play. But his arm strength is big league all the way. You know, he's got two more years here as a starter. He's going to be a tremendous quarterback who's going to win a lot of games uh, for Frank Beamer. Well, speaking of that uh, big, strong arm, that receiving core he uh, throws to has put up some pretty impressive numbers this year, too. Uh, especially for for a sophomore quarterback. I mean, Jarrett Boykin, 57 catches. Danny Cole, 52. DJ Coles, 34. Marcus Davis, 29. David Wilson, 21 catches out of the backfield. That's really nice distribution, which you don't see a lot of times from a young sophomore quarterback who tends to lock on to receivers. Uh, tell us about this unit as a strength for the offense. Well, that's a good question. You've done your homework there, Mike. Uh, in Cole and, and Boykin, the Hokies have the top two receivers in school history, and I think it probably helps a young quarterback when he has veteran wideouts. And, and that's the luxury that he had. He had a guy like Boykin and Cole that never drop anything. And they're fast, sure-handed receivers. They're big. And, and, and then he's got other guys like D.J. Coles, as you mentioned, Marcus Davis, also big 6'4", six, 6'5", six, receivers. And, and I think that having an experienced receiving core Helps a young quarterback. Now, he's been darn accurate. I mean, he's he's made really good throws this season. He had a game against Miami where he got in the zone. I mean, he, he was 23 for 25 against Miami uh, with five touchdowns and running and passing in that game. And, and when he gets in the zone now, he is a, a really darn good, accurate passer. Our guest on the show today is Bill Roth, the play-by-play voice of the Hokies in his 24th year. And Bill, uh, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball, which, as we uh, all know, has always been a strength uh, for the Hokies. In spite of losing uh, two tackles uh, to season-ending injuries before midseason, it looks like the Hokies have defended against the run very well. At least the numbers bear that up. Highlight uh, some of the key players, if you would, on that defensive line and at linebacker that have been key contributors this year. Well, you know, it's really interesting coming into the season. I think both Tech and, and Michigan are similar in the regard. They looked at the 2010 defense and they said, uh, this isn't how we play defense around here. And Tech won the league last year and went to the Orange Bowl, but their defense wasn't great. And they came back and had a really good season uh, this year, uh, 17th nationally, really solid up front. With, uh, with the exception of a couple of games, they've been really good. What's been really rough is that they've lost four defensive starters for the season, including the top two linebackers and the leading tacklers. So, that's been really hard uh, for this team during the course of the season. Uh, the Hopkins kid is really terrific. Uh, he's, he's a run stopper. He's, uh, I don't know that he's a typical nose guard, so to speak, and the mm-hmm. Hokies kind of flip their tackles anyway. They, they play a 4-3, uh, so we don't have a, quote, true nose guard, so to speak. But he, he's a really good guy inside in terms of, of plugging things up. And, and the, the defensive scheme here with Coach Foster, it's, it, it's multiple, but there's a lot of blitzing, 
There's a lot of man-on-one zone on the other side. It's kind of a unique defense that uh, that the Robinson will see when he steps to the line of scrimmage. Well, back in the secondary, uh, injuries have been a factor back there so far this year, too. So it looks like uh, a lot of young players uh, have been out there. Uh, but they've performed well. Uh, you know, no one has, has been able to go out and throw at will against the Hokie defense. What, what also helps is, I think, 38 sacks uh, generated uh, up front. But who are some of those key personnel that we're going to see uh, in the Sugar Bowl back there in the secondary for Vatek? Well, a gentleman by the name of Kyle Fuller really had a great year at corner for Tech, and though he played a lot of uh, a hybrid linebacker spot that, that Bud Foster and his scheme calls a whip linebacker, he, for the most part, has played that this year. But he's a great open field tackler. He's probably the surest open field tackler that Tech has had, and, and he's shown that uh, all season long. The corner on the other side is a, is a kid by the name of J. Ron Hosley, who was a first-team All-American last year, who, who, who much like David Wilson, will probably declare to come out for the NFL draft after this year, even though he's just a junior. He had nine interceptions last year, had a hamstring injury at one point this season, and didn't have the numbers in 2011 that he had in 2010. But a terrific corner that's going to be uh, in the NFL for a long time. Well, Bill, as a unit, and you talked about this earlier, you said that uh, when the season started, the, the Michigan defense and the Virginia Tech defense really had a lot in common. But from what you've seen this year as a unit now after 13 games, what do you see as the strengths and the weaknesses for this Hokie defense? Well, against Clemson, the, the Hokie depth finally caught up with them. With, with four guys hurt, and, and then they had some other players get hurt in the ACC championship game, and Clemson was really able to take advantage of that. You know, when you play a team for the second time, as was the case here, you, you know everyone's vulnerabilities. And, and once Virginia Tech lost a corner in that game and had to play uh, a true freshman Actually, as a redshirt freshman for the, for the whole second half in that game, it, it was a real issue, and, and Clemson took advantage of that uh, in that game. I, I think having a month off to get guys healthy really helps uh, Virginia Tech's defense. I mean, that's true with everybody in the bowl game. Uh, get some time to, to heal because it was a heck of a of a 13-week stretch there because the Hokies didn't just cruise into the championship game. They had, to, they had to win their three final regular season games just to make it. So they were a... Uh, a defense that had played really well, but a group that was kind of banged up going into the game, and then when they got hurt, it, uh, it was a disaster in Charlotte. Well, Bill, uh, let's talk about the uh, the keys to victory then as we uh, close for the uh, the Hokies in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, in your estimation, when the Hokies have the ball, what do they need to do against what is an improved Michigan defense to have success? Well, it's going to be hard for Tech to, to, to win without being balanced. I think it comes down to David Wilson running the football and being able to be physical up front. The, the one thing we didn't talk about was Tech's got four senior offensive linemen, and they've this will be the third BCS bowl for that group. They know what they're doing, and it'll be you know their final game. Same for the Michigan seniors as well, of course. But I think for Virginia Tech, they're going to try to run the football and, and, and get ahead of the sticks. In, in the Clemson game, in both Clemson games, uh, they found themselves in second and nines and third and elevens a lot. I think getting ahead of the sticks is probably really huge. And one thing I've noticed, and it's probably true for everybody, but particularly for all our bowl games, with this month off, you know, it comes down to penalties and turnovers. And and you see weird things in special teams after a month off. And, you know, the, the other similarity is, is, is it's been a really inconsistent punting season for both of these teams. And if you have a bad game punting in a bowl game and you shank a couple or get a couple blocked, it's hard to win, uh, especially when it probably should be an even game. So, I think it probably comes down to penalties and turnovers, and, and that's probably the case in every game, but it seems to be more so 
at least for the Hokies in these bowl games. No, no, I think it is for everyone too. After watching Michigan for so many years, I think the three and four weeks actually, it's you know, was longer until this year. We had the Big Ten championship game Thanksgiving weekend, so uh, you get right back into bowl practices a little sooner, quite a bit sooner uh, than we had in the past. So you're right; uh, you, you, those those kinks, that rusty stuff. Uh, Going into the bowl games, that'll be a factor, I'm sure. Maybe not so much this year. Moving over to the defensive side, though, Bill, you know, what are the keys for this Hokie defense in defending Denard Robinson? I know with all of the great quarterbacks uh, that Vautech has had that run this type of an offense or, or have skills similar to Denard Robinson. Coach Beamer even said this uh, uh, not long after the uh, the matchup was announced. We've seen this type of quarterback before. Stopping them is another thing, but we're going to have an idea. So, you know, in your mind, having seen this Virginia Tech defense all year, what do you think they need to do better to stop Denard? Well, the, the one thing that I would say, and, and I think the coaches would agree, is the big play because Robinson is capable of that. We've seen that throughout his career. Michigan's capable of that. And I, I think that if the Hokies can make him earn the yards, make him snap the ball a bunch, and don't give up a big play, uh, that probably helps them a great deal. I think they want to make make it an uncomfortable night for Robinson. Uh, if he throws, they're, they're going to hit him. And if he runs, they're going to hit him there too. And, and they're going to be as physical as they can with him and, and, and try to speed the game up, you know, make him make decisions quicker than he ordinarily does. But he's going to make great plays because he's a great quarterback. And he's made great plays against everybody. <laughs> and, and so you know it's going to happen. But, but I think yards after catch when he completes the pass and, and not letting him get out in the broken field. Our fans are, are used to seeing – whether it was Tyrod Taylor or Brian Randall or Marcus Vick or Michael Vick. I mean, we've had four quarterbacks here over the last uh, 12, 13 years who um, can really make a defense look bad by oh, yeah. running around out there. Mm-hmm. And so we know what that's about. <laughs> and, and Robinson, uh, he'd look good in orange and maroon. I can tell you that. He looks, <laughs> he looks like a guy that we'd have uh, here at Virginia Tech because he's a great and a great kid, too. You can, you can tell. I'm looking forward to meeting him and having a chance to visit with him as well because you can tell he's a real fun guy and uh, he's going to be a handful for our defense. It, this isn't going to be a 6-3 game, I can tell you that. Mike. You it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be big plays on both sides and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. On paper, this appears built to be a very uh, two very similar teams, uh, two evenly matched teams. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I think the similarities are great. Like I'm saying, I, I think it's, it's, it's two offenses that are, that are really coming into their own with dynamic quarterbacks. It's uh, two defenses that played much better in 2011 compared to 2010. But uh, in the big picture, like I said when we opened up, I think it's two fan bases that are really similar, that really respect the sport, enjoy playing somebody new, uh, an intersectional kind of game. And what a better stage than the Superdome where there have been so many great championship games and Super Bowls and, and even Final Fours. You know, it's one of the great venues in, in sports, college or pro. And they have the opportunity to play two great fight songs, two rock and marching bands. I mean, how could you not get excited for this game? I uh, can't disagree with uh, one word of that, and I think it's going to be fantastic. I agree with you completely. We have two schools, two fan bases with a great tradition, and we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be great. January 3rd, uh, uh, down to New Orleans at the Sugar Bowl. Our guest today has been the longtime play-by-play voice of Virginia Tech football, 24 years, uh, Bill Roth. Bill, thank you very much for joining us, and I'd like to say a very Merry Christmas to you and your family. Keep up the good work. We uh, also enjoy you on ESPN. You, I'm sure, will have a great game to call 
on January 3rd. I hope so, Mike. Thank you. Happy New Year, and we'll see you in uh, New Orleans. Thanks again to Bill Roth, the play-by-play voice of Virginia Tech Hokie football and basketball, for being our guest today on part one of our Sugar Bowl previews. Coming up next as we wrap it up for today, it's Wolverine Quick Hits, the latest on men and women's basketball, right here on the Michigan Man podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine. Wolverine quick hits today. Let's start with men's basketball. Sophomore forward Evan Smotrich recorded his first career double-double, 17 points, 11 rebounds, lifting the University of Michigan men's basketball team to an 87-57 triumph over Alabama A&M on Saturday afternoon at Chrysler Arena. The Wolverines shot a season-high 55%, 30 of 55 from the floor for the game, including 46%, 10 of 22 from behind the three-point arc. Also posting double-digit scoring efforts for Michigan were freshman guard Trey Burke with 19 points and senior guard Zach Novak and sophomore guard Tim Hardaway Jr. with 13 points each. After making just three triples in the first half, Michigan knocked down three straight three-point field goals from Burke, Novak, and Smotrich respectively to help construct a 15-2 run out of the break. A jumper by Hardaway at the 15-36 mark capped the run and gave U of M a 27-point advantage. The Wolverines used another 11-0 run in the second half to earn their largest lead over an opponent this season, 78-44, after junior guard Matt Vogrich found Smotrich behind the arc for another three-pointer. Michigan maintained its commanding lead throughout the remainder of the matchup to record its largest margin of victory this season, 30 points. Alabama A&M recorded the game's first basket, within the opening minute of the game to give the Bulldogs a quick 2-0 lead over the Wolverines, but U of M responded by going on a 13-0 run over the next three and a half minutes. The run was ignited by back-to-back three-point field goals from Burke and Smotrich, respectively. Then at the 12:39 mark, Burke found Hardaway for a slam, starting an 8-0 run for the Maize and Blue. Novak capped the run with a fast-break dunk of his own, putting Michigan ahead 22-9. With 7.42 left in the first half, U of M pushed its lead to 16 after an old-fashioned three-point shot by Trey Burke. The teams exchanged buckets the remainder of the half, and the Wolverines entered the locker room with a 41-27 lead. Michigan will return to the hardwood tomorrow, Thursday, December 22nd, when they host Bradley at Chrysler Arena. Tip-off is slated for 6.30 p.m., and the game will be televised on the Big Ten Network. The Wolverines, of course, off to a great start, 9-2, heading into that game with Bradley tomorrow night. The University of Michigan women's basketball team raced out to a 23-point halftime lead and shot 44.4% for the game in defeating Indiana State 72-44 on Saturday night at Chrysler Arena. The win improved U of M to 10-2 with one game left in non-conference play. Jenny Ryan led the Wolverines with a game-high 13 points, including eight during the first half run. She also led the team with eight rebounds and chipped in three assists. 
Rachel Sheffer scored 9 of her 11 points in the first half, finishing the game with 7 rebounds, 5 steals, and 2 assists. Kate Thompson followed with 12 points and a team-high 2 blocks. U of M started the game on a 25-7 run and built a 41-18 halftime lead. Sheffer scored 7 of the Wolverines' 10 points to open the game and helped hold Indiana State to 11 points with less than 8 minutes remaining before the break. In the second half, Michigan held a 50-30 lead with 10.55 on the clock. The Wolverines then outscored Indiana State 20-7 to hold the largest lead of the night, 70-37, to secure the victory. Michigan held Indiana State to 34.8% field goal shooting, including 25% 4 of 16 from the three-point arc. U of M shot 44.4% for the game and 43.5% from the three-point line. The Wolverines' defense forced the Sycamores into 26 total turnovers, with Sheffer leading the way with five steals. Ryan, Thompson, and Brene Harris each added two steals to help U of M finish with 15. Harris finished with a career-high eight points, shooting four of eight from the field. U of M out-rebounded Indiana State 44-28, with 17 of the home team's rebounds coming off the offensive end, which led to 19 second-chance points. In the post, U of M scored 34 points in the paint, with the reserves chipping in a season-high 36 points. Deja Maddox led Indiana State with 8 points, 5 rebounds, 4 steals, and 2 blocks. Anna Munn and Nikki Gunning each added 8 points apiece. The Lady Wolverines also back in action tomorrow, Thursday, December 22nd, at 1.30 p.m. to face Illinois State at Chrysler Arena. Again, heading into that action, Coach Kevin Borseth and the Wolverines with an outstanding 10-2 start. Don't forget to become a member here at GBMW. Visit www.gbmwolverine.com and sign up for membership today. You won't want to miss a minute of our Sugar Bowl previews, the latest Michigan basketball news, and of course, our great hockey coverage. Membership benefits include email reminders when a story is published or a mailbag question is answered. You also need to become a member for full participation on our always interesting message board. As a member here at GBMW, you can also take part in our popular Monday Night Live chat with E-Rock Wolverine, Coach BT, Maze Man, Doc for Blue, World's Wolverine, and our hockey guru, Yostmeister. So join GBMW today and get your daily dose of Maze and Blue news and conversation. With Sugar Bowl talk heating up, you won't want to miss a day. Visit www.gbmwolverine.com and sign up for membership today. Then each Wednesday, you can listen to the Michigan Man podcast. Next week, we continue our Sugar Bowl preview with Frank Beckman, the voice of the Wolverines on the Michigan Football Network. So tune in next Wednesday to get Frank's unique perspective on the Wolverines as we approach January 3rd's big matchup with Virginia Tech. Thanks again to Virginia Tech's fine play-by-play man, Bill Roth, for being our guest on today's show. Before we close today, I would like to uh, take a minute to wish each and every one of our listeners and your families a very Merry Christmas. It truly is a labor of love bringing you this show each week, and I do appreciate the kind words and feedback you sent to me. I would like to offer a special thanks to our service men and women in Afghanistan and Iraq who download and listen to the show from the Armed Forces Internet Service each week. Thank you for serving us so proudly, and Godspeed in returning home. Don't forget to join us again next Wednesday for another Sugar Bowl preview show. Again, our guest on the show will be the radio voice of the Wolverines, Frank Beckman. 
a very Merry Christmas, and as always, until we meet again, go blue. Thanks for listening to the Michigan Man podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine. You can find us on the web at www.gbmwolverine.com. That's www.gbmwolverine.com. For audio posts or other fan feedback, please call our listener line at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Email fan feedback to the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan. The Michigan Man Podcast is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!